Well, thank you, James. And uh, we want to uh, encourage you, if you are interested in going to Straight Up in the beginning of October, please let us know. I think we've got about 13 of us right now are going to be going and would love to have you join us. Uh, would you grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 as well? Over here on the left side of the auditorium, there's a red booklet that goes all the way up the wall there, the Friendship Register. If you'd grab that and fill that out, let us know that you're here today. Pass it all the way down to this side. That would be a real help to us. And plus, you can mark on there if you're interested in the choir and just want for you to know I'm not going into to be in that uh, by God's call. Um, and uh, but really looking forward to, to that. But if you want to party with the pastors or with the uh, choir or something, just go ahead and mark that in there. Ephesians chapter two. We have uh, now are four weeks into a series in the book of Ephesians. We're hitting into chapter 2, and we are hitting one of my top five favorite passages of the Scripture. And um, it is just a marvelous passage that we're going to enjoy today. In fact, it's so good that I want to make sure that you have a Bible in your hands. So if you didn't have it, if you've got your Bible at home or don't have one, we've got some people that can come around and give you a Bible. We're big about you being in the Bible, and we want for you to be able to look at it. Uh, just flag them down. They'll let, let you have a Bible either to keep or you can, uh, if you need one, or just to borrow for today. But Ephesians chapter 2. Now, as we've been in chapter 1 so far, we've really uh, highlighted the fact of how the possessions that the believer in Christ has. And if you remember from the last two weeks, if you've been here, we've talked about how God the Father has blessed the believer. God the Father has blessed the believer. God the Father has chosen you. We then saw in chapter 1 how the Son has redeemed you. How the Son of God has given you an eternal inheritance and you are part of an eternal inheritance. We've seen how the Spirit has sealed you as a guarantee. I mean, that's one pretty good sealing. Uh, when the Spirit of God is the one doing that. And then we saw last week in the last half of chapter 1, just how the added reality of having a hope-filled divine purpose for life. You have a call on your life, believer in Jesus Christ. You have a call. And I'm really hoping that our text today makes all of this stuff just make sense. I want to let you know, if you're here today and you're kind of checking into this whole Bible, Jesus, God, Christian thing, I'm so glad you're here today because the passage we're covering today, in many ways, sums the whole deal up. It just brings it all together today. And it's going to be good. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, whether brand new or decades old, This is for you. And in fact, this is especially for you today. Why do I know that? Because that's what the text tells us as we go to it here in just a second. When we grasp the deadly reality of what we were and where we were at before Christ, when we grasp the reality of that, it's not an oopsie thing. It's not a, oh, just like a slight bummer thing. It's just like, oh, I kind of missed the ball, just a hair. No, we're going to see that it's a deadly reality. And that through Christ, when we understand what and where God has put the believer in Jesus Christ, look at me, everything's different. Everything is different. Right now in small groups, we're going through a book 
uh, by Pastor James, actually, that's called, I really want to change, so help me God. Why should I change? Who cares? I mean, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, it's just about getting to heaven, isn't it? No. It's not just about that. It's about way more than that. Well, before we go to Ephesians 2, let's pray and let's ask for God's help this morning. God, we sit here amazed at the reality that you give us hope. We are amazed by the reality that you have blessed, you have chosen, you have redeemed, you have forgiven, you have called, you have sealed, you have given purpose, you have given us your power. Lord, as we talked last week, the issue is we don't need anything more in you. We need to get what we've got in you. So today, I pray we would continue to get what has taken place in the reality of salvation. Lord, I do. I pray this morning, if there's someone here who's just kind of like, I'm just trying to see what this is all about and just checking it out. God, would you help them to see what this text says? Because it's really, really important. Thanks. Just thanks for being together. We rejoice in who you are and what you have to say. May our hearts and our minds listen to what you have to say. And all God's people said, all right, let's get out of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Look at these first four words. And you were dead. (laughs) Paul really knows how to open up on a positive, doesn't he? I mean, don't you just feel the love that's going on here with this guy? Here at the Apostle Paul, as we get started in this text, he says, and you were dead. Well, let's break that up just a little bit. And you, who's the you? The you is, go back to chapter 1, verse 1, in the last half of that, to the saints who are in Ephesus, the faithful in Jesus Christ. Ones who are faithful in Jesus Christ. Paul is writing this letter. He's under house arrest by the Romans. He's writing a letter to people he had lived with, hung out with for two, three years, um, discipling them, ministering to them, helping them come to understand Christ. And now he's years later writing a letter back, and he's directing the letter at people who have already come to a place in their life where they've seen that they're sinners, separated from God, received Jesus Christ as their Savior, and he's writing to them. And you, believers in Jesus Christ, and you were. Now, it's a past tense verb. And I want to tell you, that's a really, really good thing, that what he is about to say is past tense. Because if it was present tense, it's a bad situation. But it's past tense. So he's saying you were something. What does he say you were? Dead. Now, wait a second. How could he be writing to people that were dead? I mean, that makes no sense. Well, obviously, he was writing to people who were alive. But he's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. Okay? So Paul starts out on a very positive note of saying this. I was dead. To God. I was dead to God. Well, why was I dead? Well, let's keep going. I, we, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. 
Now, he uses two words here, trespasses and sins. These two words refer to the same thing. In other words, he's not talking about baseball and football, and both of them relate to sports. He's talking, in other words, here's a proper translation. And you are dead in your sins and sins. Now, he could have said just sins once, but he's doing an emphatic relationship here where he's pointing to the, the reality is, is that, and you are dead in sins and sins on top of those sins. Like, you are really in sins. Like, big time. And you are dead. Why? Because of sin. And what about that sin? That sin was something, he says here, that you once walked in. Now, the term walked in is referring to really lived in. In other words, the form of this is not saying, you know what, I kind of touched it. You know, I kind of like, well, I looked at it for a little while. Oops. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I lived in it. And notice it says, in the trespasses and sins, in which you once lived. This is called the the realm of. Okay, you and I lived, everybody starts out living in the realm of sins and sins. Everybody. Today, the Colts are playing the Jaguars. Okay, so it's 5.30. It's 5.30, and I get on my cell phone, my new iPhone, by the way. Really cool. I just had to toss that out. And uh, I'm on my iPhone, and Nick's still teaching me how to use the thing, sort of, because there's some things i got to ask you about, by the way. Um, but so I'm on my iPhone, and I give Karen a call at 5.30 this afternoon, and I say, hey, babe, come pick me up. I'm at the Luke. I'm at Lucas Oil Stadium. Now, what did I mean by that? Now, there's two ways I could actually understand that. One of the ways that I could understand that is this. I happened to be downtown, and beforehand we had agreed that I was going to call, and she was going to come and pick me up on a corner uh, that was like right where the stadium was at. And so I was downtown, I was going to the library, (laughs) probably not, but I was doing, you know, visiting some friends or just walking around or for whatever reason, and I called her and said, come pick me up. I'm at the Luke. That's not what this is talking about here. What this is talking about in the realm of is meaning at 530, I call Karen and say, hey, babe, I'm down here at Lucas Oil Stadium, and the game's great. I'm here in like on the 50-yard line, and I have Marlon's tickets. Or so I don't know where he's at, but I, I have his tickets and I'm here and I'm having a blast and I'm cheering and I'm part of it. I'm like, go Colts! Listen to this, honey. And you know, I'm like, all my bows are around and we're just hanging out. I'm in the realm. I'm participating in the realm, wantingly, not by mistake. I didn't like walk in there and get caught in all the people and then they just pushed me in and I'm like, I got in the game for free. I was in there because I had paid the price to be in there. That's what this is talking about. Hey, I got some bad news to start out with this morning, folks. I was dead to God, and so were you. Spiritually dead, separated from God, and living within the reality of that realm. And it's a hard truth. Now, there's a couple ways I could respond to that. I'll give you four I just thought of here uh, in this week as I was putting this together. Number one, I could look at that, at the sin issue, and go, oh, Doug, it can't be that bad. I mean, it really can't be that bad, Doug. Um, well, let's take a look and see how bad it is. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. 
following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Three things have already been said. I'm following the course of the world. In other words, the whole world is in this stadium, and we're having a gas of a time, though dead to God. We're in the whole stadium. We're all together. We're following the prince of the power of the air. Satan is the head cheerleader, and we're doing the thing. Give me an S. S. Give me That's what's going on. And he's the one leading the chant. And I'm going along with it. And after that, it says that you were sin, you were sons of disobedience. The third characteristic is I'm completely disobedient to God. Well, he doesn't stop there. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived. And he describes it. In the passions of our flesh, one of the characteristics of not living for God is living in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and we're by nature children of wrath. In other words, the stadium is about to collapse inward on everyone. And yet I'm still inside having a ball, supposedly. Like the rest of mankind. It's really not that bad. Yeah, it is. It is. Go to Romans chapter 1 verse through chapter 3. and you, Not now, but you can read that later on if you're not convinced how bad the issue of sin is. Go to Revelation chapter 20 and read Revelation chapter 20. And I just want to say this, man. I don't like saying this, but there is going to be a day in the future, a time in the future, where those whose names are not written in the book of life, God, cast them into eternal Hell, I get no thrill, no joy out of saying that. It's not that bad. Well, God sees it that bad. Well, I'm an innocent victim. It was Adam and Eve's fault. I can't be held accountable for their mistake. Um, All have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Yuck. I am a sinner by nature and by choice. And so are you. Feeling the love? Can I say this? Real love speaks the truth. And there's a lot of churches today that don't want to talk about this kind of thing. But guess what? This is what comes up in the movement of our text. And so we're going to talk about it. And it's not cool. Well, maybe a third response is, is it's just talking about the really bad people, the Bin Ladens and the Hitlers. Um, did you see how many times it was referring to all? It's all the world. Everyone, we're all a part of this. Another one is maybe I just need to love myself more. There's not much to love there. There's not much to love there. And in fact, Timothy tells us, in 2 Timothy it tells us that in the end times people will be lovers of themselves. And part of the problem is, is, In our culture today, with some of the mindset, we're so about loving ourselves 
that we're walking off the cliff hugging ourselves. And I just want to say this. This isn't the end of the story. This isn't the end of the story. Thank the Lord. So let me just sum it up here kind of geographically for you. This is the bad place. (laughs) This is the bad color. The village movie. Okay, so over here, when you look at it, in essence, we just saw in the in the talk here of what Paul is writing. He's saying this is the place where there is uh, uh, all the world starts here, where this is. I'm walking around. I'm just walking around here, and I'm loving it. Yeah, sin. Yeah, I love this. This is so cool. It's just wonderful. Man, that kind of hurt. But I love it. And this is what's taking place over here. And I'm following Satan, and I'm his son, and it's just all about disobedience. And I'm walking towards death and destruction. Verse 4. What are the first two words? It's all together. What are the first two words? There's another character that hasn't been brought up in the story yet. Okay, in the first three verses, we have Satan and we have the world. And yet there's one more character that's on the table now. Who is it? Thank you, God. Right? Thank you, God. Okay, let's take a, let's take a look. But God, but God, what? Let's look. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, we're getting some good information here finally, right? But God, being rich in mercy, do you see why it takes mercy to love us? Listen, if we don't understand that, we don't understand God's mercy. If we don't understand that, we really don't understand the magnitude of the love of Christ on the cross. If we don't understand the reality of that, we really don't understand the grace of God. Little sin means a little God. A big view of sin takes a big God. And so I, that's why I don't, want to, I don't want to shove this into a corner and try and hide it and, and sugarcoat it for us. Because what's over here is bad. Bad. Everybody bad. Okay. It's like a bad dog. It's just bad. But out of all of this, there's a big God. Let's keep on reading. But God. But God. Rich in mercy. Because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive with Christ. By, we were dead, but what did God do? Uh, by grace, you have been saved. Now I think I'm getting a picture of why it took so much grace. Because there was so much sin. Big God over big sin. He made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you've been saved. And he raised us up with him. We were dead. And he seated us in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You're kidding me. How cool is that? Hey, listen. Where do you want to live? 
I vote option two, right? Because I was dead, but I was made alive through Christ. Now, someone who is dead cannot bring themselves back to life. In college, I was in a situation to where we were playing basketball in the gymnasium, and a guy in a racquetball court had a heart attack, went in there, and we're all around, and what to do, and he's laying on the floor, and there's no signs of life going on, and there's about, I don't know, 15 of us around there, and someone says, someone, we've got to someone know CPR. I had had CPR training up in Minnesota about like two months before, and I was shaken, and I didn't want to say anything. I'm dead serious about that. And I'm standing there, and then all of a sudden, one of my buddies, TJ, he says, I saw MASH. I saw him do it on MASH. I'll give it a shot. Now, if I was in that situation, I would kind of be where I really don't want to be hearing what's going on. <laughs> That's the time when I spoke up. And I wanted, when I spoke up and, and got another guy, and we're doing CPR, and the guy, and I want to tell you, here, here's the thing. I've never forgotten that situation just because of the, the reality of it. But in that situation, really... He couldn't do anything for himself. He was dead, and he did die. But he was a believer in Jesus Christ. We do know that. But he was dead, and he couldn't do Someone had to come in and intercede for him and try and bring him life. And that's what is happening here. God is coming in and interceding and made alive. Why did he do that? Well, verse 7, so that, in other words, there's a purpose, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Why is all this taking place? Because God wants to show his immeasurable grace. If we have a small view of sin, we have a small view and a small need for God's grace. If we have a big view of sin... We have to have a big view of grace. Sin means that I was dead to my creator. Sin means that I was totally depraved, totally separated, totally unable to please God, and in total need. And I was going to be held accountable for my sinful condition and my sin by nature and my sin by choice. But God. Hmm. So how is someone saved from their spiritual condition? Verse 8. For by grace, oh, I understand why. Completely undeserved. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. What is faith? I love this definition. Faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises good results. So in other words, I'm over here. I'm a person who comes to understand that I'm a sinner and I hear that the scripture tells me that there is a God and that there is a God who in grace and love and in mercy has provided a way for me to be able to get out of this condition. Faith is believing the word of God and then acting upon it, making some kind of action towards the reality of that, knowing that God is going to do something good from it. Well, let's keep it reading. And you, for, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it, uh, and this not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. 
Now, if I'm over here and I realize that sin is the reality of my condition, and I'm over here and I'm like, you know what? I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to try and show God that I am really a good guy. Or at least I'm better than everyone else here. And so I'm going to do good works. I'm going to do some nice things. I'm going to help women across the street, and I'm going to hold babies and you know, be nice and these kinds of things. And then out of that, then God will love me. No. Paul makes sure and just takes that option off the table. And instead what he says is, no, that's not the case because I am so depraved, I am so stuck in my predicament that it takes a big God who in grace has to help provide me to come and bring, give me life and pull me out. For by grace you have been saved through faith. The scripture tells us as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. But we're going to come back to this in just a minute. Well, lastly, in the last verse, I'm reworked for good works. I'm reworked for good works. By the way, you notice on that picture, those are some excited people. Hey, we should be. We should be. Let's take a look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship. <laughs> Has people, have people ever said to you, you're a piece of work? Absolutely I am. In fact, a piece of work by God himself. You're a piece of work. Right on, dude. I am such a piece of work. You have no idea. God's workmanship created. Do you notice that? Created. Well, I thought I was already alive. No, this is like a recreated. Because I'm over there doing that, living that, experiencing that, partaking in that, getting all the results of that. But then God in his grace has allowed me to be able to be pulled out of that and live over here. And you remember from chapter 1 where it talks about you are blessed, you are redeemed, you have been chosen, you have you've been given his power. I mean, it's like I'm over here. And, and out of this, uh, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Now, when you think of good works, I think here's typically what we think of. Boy Scouts. Doing good kinds of things. You know, like uh, walking women across the street, you know, petting dogs and just doing nice deeds. Now, that is part of it. But let's just think the reality of this. If I've been over there living like that, that was the reality of my situation, the reality of my condition. And now I am over here with an inheritance, an opportunity now to be able to please God. And I'm over here. I'm like, I want to be over here and live like over here. I mean, how thankful am I about a big God? I'm sick of that. I want to be dead to that, and I want to be alive to this. For by good works, it's not just talking about periodic, once a, a nice kind deed every day. This is a talking about a 24-7, as we talk about here at Harvest, one who worships Christ, who lives 24-7 for Christ, and worships lifestyle, one who walks with Christ, one who is growing in my relationship with him, becoming more and more like Christ, changing my thinking and putting on and putting off. As we're going to get to later in Ephesians. And someone who is serving Christ. 
I mean, I've gone from that over to this. I wish I could jump that high. I can't. But it's like, yeah, yeah. And I want to toss out this. I'm concerned that today in our thinking, and especially in our culture, here's what oftentimes happens. Come to Christ so that you can go to heaven. And the thinking is, is that I come to Christ to be able to go to heaven, and that's something in the future that I'm going to do. Well, yeah. But right now, I'm just kind of hanging on. I'm just kind of existing until that point to where I get to heaven. No, 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 no. That is bad theology. That's really bad theology. And that's the kind of thinking that doesn't understand this process. I've been taken from that and brought over here, and I don't deserve any of that? Why in the world would I not not be about seeking to live for God? Why do I keep going back there? Well, because the habits of sin in my nature continue to pull me around but saved by grace saved by grace right now we're doing bible studies uh, small we got 180 plus people involved in a small group going through the book i really want to change so help me god because we want to be about a place where people change not just talk about change not just talk about heaven but talk about the whole process of getting there and becoming a living walking breathing reality of god's grace in our lives today for by grace you have been saved. And by the way, did you notice that God prepared all the, all the, the acts of works, the, the life of change, that we should walk in them? This should be the constant lifestyle of who we are. And we can't even take credit for doing good things. God's the one who's already prepared them. I mean, I can't take credit for my salvation. I can't take credit for being able to be here. I can't take credit for the fact that uh, I'm making changes in life. I can't take credit for squat. But I can't take credit for this. Big God. Okay? Big God. So today, we've got a lot of other things going on. So I'm going to, today, so I'm going to hang on there. But I want to kind of conclude this way. Uh, up here at our chart, as you look at this, uh, I just want to ask you, where are you? Seriously, where are you on this? In other words, you may be someone who's right over here and it's like, that's interesting, Doug. We're all sinners separated from God. That's interesting. But I'm not quite sure if I agree. I've got to be thinking that through. I'd love to challenge you. Just encourage you. Think it. Think it. Because if this is true, you're in a peck of trouble, as I once was. And it's not a who's better. It's just a reality. And I just want to encourage you. I'd love to talk to you. Other people here would love to talk to you. But don't let this go. Do you see how significant the issue is? It's so significant that it's, it's talking about eternal reality and it's talking about present reality for you. So if you're right here, if that's the place where you're stuck on, I just want to pray for you here. I want to encourage you here. I want to say, get thinking. Go to Romans chapter 1, verse uh, chapter 3. Go to Revelation 20. Get this idea. What does God, how does God view me? Because right now, and God says, and you were dead. And it doesn't have to stay that way. But maybe you've come to the place where you've understood that reality. And maybe you've come to the place where it's like, you know what? I do. I realize that I'm a sinner. And I realize that through Christ, I can be able to have forgiveness of my sins. I can be able to be redeemed out. 
and grab a hold of the life buoy and pull out by Christ, by faith in him. Have you done that? Maybe if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. Place your faith in Jesus Christ to pull you out of the reality of the situation over there and get life before God. And if you've done that, I just want to say, thank God for that, right? Because it wasn't your working. Well, yeah, you chose, but yeah, God did it. But yeah, uh, just praise God. <laughs> All right? God did it. And, and, and I want to finish with this then. Are you getting this part of it? Are you getting the part of it that it's God did not just save me, but God redeemed me for a purpose to be able to be one that is living for him and growing and changing. I just got to say, I do not get after going through this passage how myself or anyone could be thinking this. I'm saved and I don't see change in my life for the last years. Do you see what the scriptures is saying? Paul's in the first three chapters going at our thinking. Because he knows if we don't get this kind of stuff, later on when he talks about church life and family life and married life and relationships and, and, and parenting and all those kinds of things about life, those are irrelevant if we're not getting this. And are you getting it to the point where you have been called and pulled out for something marvelous? I was dead. I've been made alive through Christ. I've been reworked for good works. Big sin, a big view of sin, requires a big God. A small view of sin means I really have a small God in my life. Let me pray for us.